0: Well, it's good to be back with you all again. Um, I had the opportunity of joining you last year for worship and I thank God. I absolutely love your pastor and his wife. I get a chance to pray with him and do prayer walks and we have spent a a lot of hours together in prayer. We've gone on retreats together. We've gone to New York together to conferences and just absolutely love him. I love his spirit. I love um, his heart for the city. I love his faith in the, 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 the reality and the power of God. Um, I absolutely love your Pastor. So it's an honor for me to be here. Um, as was mentioned, I do have with me my wife, um, Sister Trivia, and my dear brother, Brother Richard. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Um, this morning, I won't be before you too long. I, I have to leave here and get to our service. We're like a mile north of Johns Hopkins University on Oliver Street in the Collington Square community. Um, But it's a joy to be here this morning. Um, I'd like to direct your attention to Acts chapter two. very familiar text of scripture. In Acts chapter 2, in verse 37, the Bible reads, Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter, and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said to them, Repent, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. And with many other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers then fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles now all who believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and delivered them among all as any one had need verse 46 So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. For the short time I have, if I was to give a a, a theme or a title to the message this morning, it will be kingdom culture, the culture of faith. Don't lose the momentum. That's like three titles in one, so you can take it in, in anyone you can remember. Kingdom culture. The culture of faith. Don't lose the momentum. Let us pray. God in heaven. We can't have this moment without you. God, we know that you're not interested in our flesh. You're not interested in our wit, our intellect. God, you're interested in your own glory. So, Father, we pray that you'd have it now. We pray, God, that you would rise up in this place, that you'll be Lord. For where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. God, we pray that you would speak and we, your people, will hear. Would you give me grace to to represent you, oh God, and would you illuminate the eyes of our understanding, God, that that our hearing even would be supernatural, God. God, would you have your way, have lordship here, be glorified, God, be with those who are on vacation, be with Pastor Ben and Rebecca, oh God, bless them and, and be with them in Jesus' name. We thank you, God, and we give you praise. And the church of God said amen. 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 So in our church, um, it's customary this time of year for me to, week after week, ask a question. And the question that I've been asking over the last several weeks is, round about this time, some 2,000 years ago, what would the church have been doing? If we were to go back in time some 2000 years ago, what would we see? What would we hear? What would the church have been doing? And I'm interested in some of your thoughts. What would the church have been doing some 2000 years ago right about now? Meeting in houses? Meeting in houses? Amen. Anybody else? Like eating together. Eating together? Amen. Anybody else? telling everybody they ran into about the Lord. Amen. You you guys know your Bibles. Praise God. Some 2,000 years ago, we would have seen great sights. We would have heard great sounds. We would have seen literally a, a paradigm shift. We would have seen the birthing of a new kingdom. We would have seen Jerusalem literally turned upside down. On the exact axis, we were seeing a culture shock. We were seeing an emerging church, an emerging body of belief, a, a new way. In fact, it was called the Way. We would hear commotion. We would see persecution. Some two thousand years ago, it would have been just a couple weeks after Pentecost. And unlike our westernized culture, the church would have not been packing up, getting ready to go on vacation. The church would have been exuberant and excited because everything that Jesus had spoken of and everything that Jesus had promised was coming to pass right before their eyes. Pentecost had happened. God had fulfilled the promise of Joel and he poured his spirit out on all flesh. There were Jews in the land from all nations of the world and they heard the wonderful miracles of God in their native tongue. Thus people were doing supernatural acts. They were speaking in tongues and, and all of a sudden the people who were sheepish just a few weeks prior when the Savior was being crucified, they ran and they hid and they hid for their lives. Now they stood boldly with courage proclaiming the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. Some 2,000 years ago, we would have seen natural people being used supernaturally. Glory to God. And I know from my relationship with Pastor Ben that, that, that this is a church that hears the gospel, the full gospel. This is a church that, that hears about what's available to us as believers. Not only what's available, but what's expected of us as believers. I've had a chance to hear some of the word that was preached in, and, and, and you guys have been talking about the impossibility of prayer, the no way God, and how God loved to specialize in that which seems to be impossible. And I've heard Pastor Ben encourage you to believe more and to ask for more and to pray for more, to expect more. Glory to God. Today I kind of want to hitch my message onto that because I firmly believe that we ought to take our example from the scriptures. I don't believe that we're a different church. I believe that we're under the same dispensation of the kingdom. The Bible says that after Jesus rose again, he would spend 40 days giving his believers, his followers, infallible proof that he was alive. You ask, well, why was that necessary? Well, Jesus knew that they were about to go into a hostile world and everybody would not be excited to hear their message. Jesus knew that they would face Uh, persecutions and atrocities of all kinds. And he knew that they would need something that was greater to keep their faith intact. When they saw their loved ones being persecuted and, and when they would see Stephen being stoned to death, they would need a faith that was greater. So therefore, for 40 days, he gave them infallible proof that he was alive. But secondly, the Bible says in Acts chapter 1 that he gave them, he began to teach them things pertaining to the kingdom of God. For 40 days, he began to reveal to them scriptures that he had longed to reveal to them. If you'll recall, while he was with them in the flesh, he said, there's many things that I want to tell you, but right now you can't receive it. He said, I can't put new wine into old wineskin. But after he rose again, he would spend 40 days teaching them about the kingdom of God. And the culmination of it all, he told them to wait in Jerusalem until you receive the gift from above. He said, you shall be endued with power. And then listen to what he said next. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. The purpose of the baptism of the Holy Spirit was so that they would be empowered to be his witnesses. The kingdom of God has a culture. And there's a culture in which he taught them how to operate in the kingdom. Glory to God. In Acts chapter 2, verse 37, after Peter proclaimed this powerful message of the gospel, thousands of Jews were looking in great fascination. And as he began to preach, the Spirit of God began to convict their hearts. They were convicted over the crucifixion of the Messiah. They were convicted over how they treated the prophets of old. They were convicted. And at the end of their conviction in Acts chapter 2, verse 37, the Bible says, Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter, and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Okay, we we heard the gospel. We're convicted. What shall we do? Then Peter said, repent. And let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you, shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. He preached salvation to them. What shall we do? Repent and be baptized and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now we as believers We're We're, we're, post-salvation. We're past that point of repentance, past the point of being baptized, past the point of receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit. Well, the rest of the text goes further, and it says, and with many other words, he testified and exhorted them. Now he's about to instruct them on kingdom culture. And I believe that what he instructs them Is relevant for the church until Christ returns. He says, be saved from this perverse generation. It's not enough to repent. It's not enough um, to be baptized in Jesus' name. It's not enough to receive the Holy Spirit. We're instructed as the church to be saved from this perverse generation. In other words, come out of the world and be separate, says the Lord. Friendship with the world is enmity against God. Or another way of looking at it is friendship with the world is enmity against the kingdom. These Jews were being instructed to be saved from a generation that was perverse, that was anti-Christ. He goes further and he says, Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayer. I believe what's critical to the church then and the church now is that we are called to be saved from this perverse generation. Come out of the world and become a culture within a culture. Become a kingdom within a kingdom. And the Bible says that they continued Steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. I love words, and I love to look up words, even when I think I know the meaning of a word. So, if you'll entertain me just for a moment, if I was to ask you, what does the word "continue" mean? What would you say? Keep going. Keep going. Anybody else? Carry on. Carry on. Nonstop. Nonstop. Amen. I looked the word continue up. And you know what I found out that was fascinating about the word that it meant? It means to continue. <laughs> to, to continue. <laughs> Without interruption. I, it, to attend constantly. To persist. To persevere. To wait upon. I love that. To show steadfast strength. To consistently showing strength which prevails. This was fascinating to me. In spite of difficulties. And, and it made me think about the, the context. These folks. We were in a hostile environment. They were public enemy number one. To be a Christian in that day meant you were ostracized by your family and the culture. And in that context, the Bible says they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. It means to devote oneself, to keep on, to persist. And as I was musing upon this, I began to realize that that, that they were being taught how to maintain a kingdom culture. In order to experience the kingdom of God, they couldn't afford to be in and out and in and out and in and out. Kingdom requires persistence. The kingdom requires consistency. When believers are together on one accord, in one place, consistently, persistently, steadfastly, they create a culture. That's conducive for the Spirit of God to do great and exceeding things in their midst. They continued steadfastly in the Apostles' doctrine. Why was that necessary? You might ask. Well the Bible reveals in Scripture First Peter, Chapter 2, the Bible reveals some insight into who we are as the church. 1 Peter 2, verse 4, the Bible says, Coming to him, talking about Jesus, as to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, Was not Jesus rejected? Was not his early church rejected? But chosen by God. Was not Jesus chosen? Was not those who were saved in the early church chosen? But chosen by God and precious. You also, as living stones, here it is, are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. The church of Jesus Christ is something that was hidden for generations. It was hidden in the heart of God. It was a mystery that's talked about in the epistles of Ephesians and and Colossians. The church is a mystery. It's the heart of God. It's the bride of Christ. It's the conduit through which God planned to, to save the world. The church is not a building. The church is a collection and the conglomeration of of living stones, you and me, who God has brought together to create a structure that has the power to tear down the gates of hell. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The church is the conglomeration of, of living stones Being built together into a spiritual house so that we may offer to God spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. It's imperative. That as living stones, we understand that God is building us together to create something spiritual. The church is not merely a social entity. The church goes beyond ethnic and racial and socioeconomic lines and boundaries. The church is the heart of God, It's the body of Christ. The church is the kingdom of God on earth. And when a church continues steadfastly together, we create an atmosphere that draws the presence of God nigh and that has the power to cast out the kingdom of darkness. The Bible says that they were instructed, it says, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. In other words, they stayed in the word. They stayed under the teachings of the apostles who were teaching them further about the kingdom, further about God. They continued steadfastly in fellowship. They stayed together, they they, they became one. They created a, a, a kingdom within a kingdom, a family, a community within a greater society. They were one. As was mentioned, they went from house to house. Not every other week, not once a month, but daily. They gathered together for the breaking of bread and for prayer. Again, this is something that they continued in steadfastly. On this Sunday, I simply want to encourage you and instruct you about the kingdom culture. The kingdom culture is a culture of faith. It's a culture, it's an atmosphere where faith resides, where faith abides. For we understand without faith it's impossible to please God. We understand that it's through faith that we access the kingdom. Faith is to the kingdom of God what our physical hands are to this world. It's through our faith that we access God, that we access the promises of God. And faith is not just a figment of our imagination. It's not something that we just try to conjure up. Faith is the byproduct of the Word of God and the Spirit of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So as the believers continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, in fellowship, in the breaking of bread, and in prayer, they will create a culture of faith that made access to the kingdom of God normal, fluid. When believers gather together consistently and persistently, without interruption, and we 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 give ourselves to the word of God and to prayer and fellowship. That the atmosphere changes. The, the presence of God come nigh. Listen what the Bible says happened. In Acts chapter 2, verse 43, the Bible says, Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God. And having favor with all people, and the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. When believers continue together steadfastly under the word of God in fellowship, breaking bread together and praying together, it creates a culture, it creates an atmosphere. Where we don't have to do the work, but the very presence of God will cause fear to come over the hearts of men and women. Where men and women will begin to cry out, what must I do to be saved? The very presence of God will begin to produce wonders and signs in the midst of us. Signs and wonders is not something that we'll experience if we're in and out, if we're meeting together periodically or off and on every now and again, if we lose momentum. But if we can continue together, steadfastly, hearing the preached word, fellowshipping with each other, encouraging each other, praying together, believing the word of God. The promises of God are more accessible. And we'll see the Spirit of God working all the more in our midst. To produce miracles, signs, and wonders, there is a certain culture that is required it's a culture of faith. And faith is not something that we can can just conjure up. It's not something that we can just manifest on our own. Faith is what's produced in our hearts as we continue steadfastly in God's word. And as his spirit moves in the midst of us, it gives birth to faith. And faith gives birth to believe in God, and believe in God gives birth to miracles and signs and wonders and salvation. If I was to ask you this question Where does God command the blessing? What would you say? Where does God command the blessing? It, his dwell in unity. Say it one more time. Where his, dwell in unity. Where his people dwell together in unity. Psalm 133. It says, blessed. Can somebody grab Psalm 133 real quickly? Could you stand up and read it real loudly for us? How wonderful and pleasant it is when brothers live together in harmony, for harmony is as precious as the anointing oil that was poured out, that was poured over Aaron's head, that ran down his beard, onto his, onto the border of his robe. Harmony is as refreshing as the dew from yes. Mount Hermon, that falls on the mountains of Zion, and there the Lord has pronounced his blessing, Stop. even Stop. life everlasting. It's there! It's fair! that the Lord has pronounced his blessing, it's there, it's it's there. Behold how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It's there that God commands or pronounces the blessing. When a believer, this is a kingdom principle, when believers dwell together in unity, when we continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, fellowship, breaking of bread in prayer. It's there that God commands the blessing. It's there that God commands the blessing. All throughout the book of Acts, you hear that they were on one accord in one place and it was there that the Spirit of God would fall. Happened on Pentecost. Happened in Acts chapter 4 and chapter 5. They were together on one accord. As I close this morning, I simply want to encourage you and share with you that this is this word that I'm sharing is not a small it's not a small word. There are great implications here. And the implication is that there's more to our gathering than just seeing one another. There's more to our gathering than, than just natural things. That There's great purpose for our gathering. It's imperative that we continue to gather together. Because when we're together on one accord, in one place, continuing steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayers, we create an atmosphere for God to do his work. We create a synergy. There's a magnetic pull when the church is together on one accord. The church also is referred to as Jacob's Ladder. We create a ladder from heaven to earth where angels can ascend and descend with gifts. Baltimore does not need us merely being a social activist organization. Doesn't need us being political necessarily. Not that anything's wrong with that, but that's not who we are. The church is the pillar and ground of truth. The church is the bride of Christ. And the church is the only entity on earth that has the power to be a conduit through which God can work through to impact this culture. So I would encourage us that even as the summer draws nigh, that we resist the temptation to disconnect. I would encourage us that as the summer draws nigh, that we resist the temptation to take a vacation from the church or a vacation from the Apostles' doctrine, or a vacation from fellowship, breaking of bread and prayers. Yes, there's a space where we ought to rest and and reprieve. Jesus did it. But do not make the mistake of taking a vacation from the church. If you travel, find a way to still connect. Still take your Bible with you on vacation, somebody. It's all right to spend time with God on your vacation. We must. Otherwise, we'll lose momentum. And when we lose momentum, our faith dwindles. And when our faith dwindles, the miracle signs and wonders become distant. We find ourselves like Samson, who tried to shake himself again. And there was no strength. We need to stay in the kingdom culture wherever we go so that faith is present, strong and vibrant. Believing God is, is, is present. Miracles, signs and wonders, salvation is fluent. Our greatest hope is not that we do more. Our greatest hope is that God would do more in and through us. And the way that happens is by the church continuing steadfastly in the Apostles' Doctrine fellowship breaking the bread and prayers. Go out of your way this summer to break bread together to meet house to house, all the more. Praying together. believing in God for more. Whatever you do, don't lose the momentum. I've been eavesdropping on some of the messages and you guys be getting some rich teachings in, in, in word here. Keep the momentum. Keep the momentum. The world needs a people will abandon this life to make themselves available to God, for God to work in and through. God bless you and thank you for having me this morning.